Good morning, church. Can I get an amen from any uh, Jesus lovers out there? All right, I'm in the right place. We do love our Jesus, and uh, we're glad to be here this morning. I want to begin uh, with a prayer and a welcome, of course, to all the live streamers out there, as well as our family here meeting uh, on site at WFR. It is a blessing to have so many Jesus lovers across the fruited plain that are part of our forever family. What a what a thing God did when he expanded uh, our universe. Part of that's our Unashamed podcast, as well as other uh, opportunities that God's given us to bless people and them to bless us. And the notes you guys send us are so uh, touching. Larry Bowles sent me one this last week. And by the way, I know Larry is watching this morning. Larry had a full knee replacement, sent me a picture of it. Thank you, Larry. That's a sight I'll never be able to unsee. Uh, but uh, I know that Larry's watching today. And so I want to begin with a prayer uh, for his healing and blessing and also some others in our uh, forever family out there that have, have had some uh, some difficulties this last week. I also want to thank God for the life of Ann Bolden. We had a memorial service for her yesterday. What a powder-packed uh, powder keg for Jesus that woman was. Uh, and what a blessing she is. And also for our major trees. So let's begin with a prayer this morning. Father, I just want to take a moment as we begin this morning. First of all, just a prayer for me uh, as your messenger I just don't, I want to stay out of the way this morning. This text is so powerful. I pray the Holy Spirit will do what He needs to do to impart the message from Your Word this morning and that I will stay out of the way of that. I pray, Father, for a marriage refresh. Uh, many will be traveling. I just pray for safety. I pray for health of children. All the things the evil one will try to do to, to throw those barriers in the way for a fantastic weekend of blessing to many marriages. I pray for all of us who will be participating and speaking that those messages will be yours. Uh, I thank you for Anne. I pray for her daughters and Ken and their family. But um, I just want to thank you for her life. What a blessing. The messages we receive from those in Africa and around the world that she blessed. Um, I just thank you for her service. And I just pray that you'll continue to bless their family. For our good and dear brother Larry, I pray that you bless him with healing. Help him as he's doing some writing. I just inspire his heart. And for all of our forever family that's out there spread around the country and the world, I know some have had some real losses the last few weeks and some difficulties, and so I pray a special blessing on each and every one of them as well. We love you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Ellie Turner, where are you at? Ellie Turner, where are you? Oh, here she comes. Come on up, Ellie. Ellie is a ninth grader. It says here at OCS, she loves art and music, and she is all state and honor choir perky, so she ought to be on your radar, a future praise team member. So come on up here. She's going to read our text this morning. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, sister. Appreciate that. May your high notes always be on key as you sing. So I think it's important with this text today to uh, 
kind of go back as a reminder uh, because it's so crucial. This text is kind of the launching pad for what's going to be the rest, uh, sort of the heart uh, of what this, uh, the rest of this book is about. And we've talked about it. We set it up. It's a book about suffering and about difficulty. And, and we've said that all along. We're going to hit the heart of that beginning next week in the text. So I think Peter is really going to all links to get his audience ready for that and get us ready for that. And so back in verse one of first Peter one, he told us that this book was written to the scattered. Remember? I mean, the scattered, the aliens, the strangers, and we talked about who that was. And it started way back in Acts chapter 8 when we studied the book of Acts. With that group, you remember the church was doing so great and everybody was there together and they're meeting every day and it's exciting and the gospel's going out. And I mean, every day there's some new dripping wet Christians and yeah, man, the, the word is going out and people are sharing it and the Holy Spirit is powerful and active and life is good. And all of a sudden there's a rise of this man named Saul and this great persecution breaks out against the church and this holy man of God, Stephen, is stoned to death right there in front of all these Christians. And all of a sudden it's, it's terror among this new church. And so the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 verse 1 that from that day on the church was scattered. And it started in Judea and Samaria, but then it went everywhere, including Asia Minor, which is the group that Peter is writing to. And so we know that this group is there now 20 years have passed. And things have not gotten better. In fact, they've gotten worse. And Peter is really talking to this group because they're only going to get worse. In fact, when he's writing this book, things under Nero are about to get infinitely worse. In fact, most of all the people we love and we read about in these texts and we're right there with Jesus are about to give their lives for the kingdom. And so this is a tough time. And that's why this book is so important. That's why themes of living hope in the resurrection have been what Peter has been talking about, and a living salvation to let us know that even though we die, yet shall we live. The idea of a living legacy, that even though we're going to give our lives, we're going to teach people and we're going to go forward, and this gospel is going to march on. And as we're here today in 2023, we're a living legacy that everything and the foundation that was laid still goes on. And so these brothers and sisters were right. Larry talked about a manifest life of holiness because of what Christ did for us. Mike talked about last week, love and unity. And today we're going to talk about who we really are. And there's a, there's an irony involved in this text today as well, because it's not only who we really are, but from God's perspective, it's who we were always meant to be. You see, God is known. Before he ever created us, who we really are. And that's what makes it so special today. Because, see, here's the thing. When you find yourself in the scrum, in the difficulty, in the weeds, when you're up against something really, really tough, you have to know who you are. You have to know who you belong to. Because if you're lost in that moment, you're in big trouble. If you're still trying to figure out in that moment who you are, there are going to be other forces that don't know who they are that are going to guide you in all the wrong directions. 
Jesus called them blind guides in Matthew 15. And you remember what he said about a blind guide? He said a blind guide can only guide another blind person into a pit. And that's true. That's what we're seeing in our nation today. We're seeing a lot of people who don't know who they are. They're blind guides. They've lost sense of who they are as a people. And they think they know who they are. And so they consistently lead people where? Into a pit. And it's sad to watch, is it not? And it can happen in our spiritual walk as well. You can always know who you are and what your purpose is. And that's what this text is about, and that's why it's so important. Let's read this beautiful, wonderful text. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, capitalized S, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, little s, are being built into a spiritual house. Some versions will say a temple of the spirit. To be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And here's the part, the irony of, of how God has always meant for it to be. And I love this text because he's speaking to these folks in the first century, these scattered aliens. And he's speaking to them in real time, in their time. But he's also now going to look back 700, 1,000 years in their past And say it's always meant to be, but he's also speaking to us 2,000 years in their future and saying it's meant for you as well. Powerful. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's Isaiah 28 verse 6. Now to you who believe... This stone is precious. That's those of you who know who you are and you know who you belong to. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become has become the capstone or the cornerstone. That's a quote from Psalm 118:22. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. That's a quote from Isaiah 8, 14. So it's the same rock, but instead of it being a blessing and precious, and that which lines up everything we know and believe and who we are, it becomes something we trip over and we don't believe. And it causes us to fall. How does this happen? They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also What they were destined for. You see, they don't know who they are. They don't know who they belong to. So you got a clear picture, right? Those who know, those who don't. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. The newer versions say God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can we get an amen on that text? Wow. We could just sing the invitation song and go home. That text preaches itself. But since they're paying me big bucks, not really, those of you who don't know, I'm a, I got a few thoughts. First one is God's house was and is always you. Always. And that's big. That's big news. Because a lot of people miss that. You see, the living stone, big S, to us living stones, little s, it was always part of the plan. In Genesis one twenty six, God said, God, in totality, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That living stone has always been there. Always knew we were the house. And it's really interesting because I love the Old Testament. I love the study of it. I love watching it all unfold. And if you study the book of Hebrews, you see all these spiritual copies and what what it all meant. But let me just boil it all down for you. As they were traveling across the deserts, And God told them how to build a tabernacle. And then later on when they got their own country and he showed them how to build a temple. The purpose of these houses of worship, as we call them, none of it was really to show them worship. It was to show them how close they were to God, but not quite close enough. You see, there was the presence of God, but it was in a place that they couldn't quite get to. Because the only way they could get there was through Jesus Christ, who before the creation of the world said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then that's the way it always was. We couldn't get there because of our sin. And so all throughout this history of Israel... They were thinking, we're the chosen people, and in a sense they were, because they carried the heritage of the Messiah. But they were still blocked from the presence of God because of sin. And all the sacrifices of the animal, and all the blood that flowed, and all the processes, and all the priests, and all the tabernacles, and all the temples, none of it could bring them what they really needed. And that was the relationship with God. And that's why when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross and the temple curtain tore in two, now there was access to the presence of God. And finally, the living stone could become a living stone. They were so close. But this game wasn't, you know, hand grenades. Close wasn't good enough. To be in the presence of God, Jesus Christ was the only way, and it was always that way. And God knew that. The living stone was always planned for us. The living sacrifice was always planned for us. That's why the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 9.26, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. It always had to be. 
So you say, well, Al, why all the thousands of years of history? Why all the pointing? Why all the, uh, why all the sacrifices? Why all the showing us this way? Because over time, the only way we could ever see it was the way God intended for us to see it. Through time. It's the only way we could understand it. Well, why did God have to do it that way? Because he's God. And he knew it was the only way we'd understand. You see, at the time fully set, at the time when he knew, Jesus would come. But it was always set for us to know. And he knew that before the beginning. But it's so ironic because he's telling this to this group of scattered people who are saying, we're nowhere near Israel. We're nowhere near the temple. And Peter's like, you don't have to be near it. You are in him. That's why 2,000 years later, here we are. And somebody says, are you in your house of worship? No, we are the house of worship. Because God lives in us. You always are always and have always been his house. He's always known. You would house him. That's the beauty of it. It's such a comfort to know. Paul said it this way in Romans 12.1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here's where we miss it. We think, okay, nobody really ever understood this until Jesus came on this side of the cross. That's not true. I got a good example for you. The reason why King David was the only king ever chosen by God. Do you realize that? Nobody else was ever chosen by God to be king. The people chose Saul, and they chose poorly. Bad choice. God chose David because he was a man after his own what? Heart. Because he said, I know the heart, not the appearance. Even Samuel, who was a great prophet, when he went out to pick, he picked wrong. And after David, everybody was picked through the bloodline. King David was the only king ever picked by God. And the reason why is he knew the man's heart. Now, David did a lot of great things, but man, he was a killer. And in fact, David killed so many people that when he was ready to build a temple, build the temple for God, God said, nope. Can't build the temple, David. David said, why, Lord? Too much blood on your hands. Really? I did it all for you. I know you're a man after my own heart, but nope. Can't build the temple. Second Samuel chapter 11. The Bible says in the springtime when kings go off to war, so it was time for David to go do what David did. He stayed behind. He didn't go do what David was meant to do. He got bored. He forgot who he was. He stayed back at the temple. He got to looking around on the rooftops. He lost his way. He forgot who he belonged to. And he wound up engaging in an affair with a married woman who was a decent man who he then murdered to cover it up. The prophet of God came and spoke truth to him and finally convinced him of what he had done. And David sat down and wrote Psalm 51. And here's what he said. 
you, Lord, do not delight in sacrifice in your temple that I couldn't build or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings in your temple that I couldn't build or I would bring it. See, David even understood back then, the building won't do it. The burnt sacrifices won't do it. The offerings won't do it. The building won't do it. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. What's inside? A contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Then I will teach sinners your way. You see, David back under law, under the system of the temple, under the system of animal sacrifice, understood that we were always destined to be the temple. And even a man with blood on his hands who would not be allowed to build the structure understood that he was the structure. Therefore, you read Psalm 51 and you see a heart that looks up to God and says, I'm a sinner, God, save me from my sin. Do you, are you starting to understand why he picked him as the king? The only one he ever picked and made an eternal covenant that in his house would be the covenant forever, the house of David, that physical Jesus would come from. God's house was and always has been you and me. You see, that's why he said this is who you are. Verse 9, a chosen people. I love it. You know, we like to be chosen for stuff, right? Even if it's just temporary. Everybody likes to be chosen, unless it's something you don't want to do, right? I mean, I've been chosen for things that it was just random. Lisa and I went with a conference with the, the Kirby's, and I think it was uh, Mac and Mary and, and the Neiman's. And we it was this fancy hotel in Dallas, and we're standing in line. We're all checking in. We're all just got basic rooms. We're going to the conference, and all of a sudden the woman says, ooh. I went, ooh, what does that mean? She said, well, you just got an upgrade to the presidential suite. I said, well, I like the sound of that. <laughs> of course, Kirby's back here, what, 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 how, how, how'd this happen? I, I called in on my marital account, blah, 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 blah. 2,800 square feet later, our house was the party house. It was two great days. Just We'd go and sit in different areas of it just because we could. <laughs> Later on, one night we showed up at Colorado Springs to do an event. We got there late. It was like midnight, delayed flights. We come in, and we're like, okay, where's our room? Like, oh, we didn't know y'all were coming. We gave it away. Okay, give us another one. We have no more rooms. Felt like Joseph and Mary. See how when you just get chosen or not chosen, it's just random. When you're chosen by God, it's for eternity. It's not random in the computer. Oh, presidential suite today, street tomorrow. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world to save us. We were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be saved. How about that? 
First Corinthians 1 tells us that God's choice of us is not by any of the world's standards, not by wisdom, not by influence, not by wealth, not by nobility, not by power, not one of the standards of the world, but by one simple choice. We choose him. And he chooses us. The brilliance of Dallas Jenkins' new series, The Chosen, is that it's one simple question to these simple people of the first century. Will you leave everything and follow me? There's a person walking up to today. That one's about out of Still got a few minutes left over here. Big tall ball man coming toward me. <laughs> the brilliance of it is the question put to them is, Will you follow me? They said yes. And now we get to watch the stories of this Savior through the through these chosen ones. But the beauty of it is they chose him. They said yes. Chosen. By God. Him chosen by us. You are a royal priesthood. Zechariah 6, the branch that would rise up out of Israel, Jesus, is both priest and king. None of the kings, by the way, of Israel could be priest and king. But our Lord is. You know what that makes you? Royalty. You realize that? You're a royal You just thought it was Prince Harry and that California woman. No. You. Royalty. We talked about this on the podcast, and Dad said, he told me and Jason, he was like, you know, I'm not comfortable being royalty. I said, well, you are, Dad. You are a prince and a priest because of Christ. But before you get all hoity-toity, You don't get to boss people around. It's a life of service because our Lord serves, and so do we. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, and that simply means we're set apart. That's what holy means, set apart. It's a nation within a nation, a spiritual kingdom that's a part of this nation that we live in. We are citizens of heaven, and we're citizens of the United States. You know, we we live here in impact. But on the day Jesus died, he stood before every government governing authority of his arena, both spiritual and physical. And he didn't overturn any of them. Nor did he undermine any of them. You know what he did? He died and he rose. Our job on this earth is not to undermine and overthrow. It is to rise. We die to sin and we rise. How we got to win more elections? No, we need to win more people. We win more people, the elections will follow. But we got to win people. That's our job. We are set apart. And that, in fact, the text coming up next, that's what it deals with. 
We honor the king, but we fear God. And that's how we do it, by being a holy nation. And then the last one. These are like four cornerstones of this building that always has been. A people belonging to God. Some of the new ones say God's special possession, but I like a people belonging to God because that's our perspective, right? I don't have time to get into it. I'm going to give you a little assignment. For those of you that, if you want this sermon to really hit you, hit home today or sometime this week, go back and read John chapter 8 entirely with this as your backdrop, a people belonging to God. And then go read John 8. I'll give you a quick thumbnail. You remember it starts in John 8 with the early morning dawn Bible class. Man, we can't dawn Bible class. That'd be two people, right? Jesus had a dawn Bible class at the temple courts. And as he's teaching, they drag this woman in caught in the very act of adultery. Remember? And I can only imagine she's like probably not fully clothed. And these teachers of law say, well, the law demands that we stone her. What do you say? And he starts bending down and writing in the dirt. And after a long, awkward pause, says, well, i tell you what. First person without sin, you just throw that first rock that you've all picked up. Awkward silence. Rocks began to fall. Because let's face it, the only person at the scene that's qualified to throw any rocks is the one bending down right in the dirt. And they all go away. That's how the day started. The rest of that whole chapter is a back and forth of Jesus teaching at the temple. And it's a wild discourse. It's back and forth, back and forth. And some of them are convinced in the moment. It says some of them believed with the back and forth. And it's wild. I encourage you to read it. Until Jesus says this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he's saying some things they really like. We've had the whole thing with the rock dropping. And then he says, but you got to hold to my teaching. In other words, if you're going to belong to me, you're going to have to do what I tell you to do. See, belonging is a responsibility as much as a blessing. And immediately they reared up. What do you mean? Set free? We are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone, which was a ball-faced lie. They'd been slaves in Egypt. But that's a whole other lesson, right? And here we go. Back and forth, back and forth. Jesus finally told him, said, oh, you belong to somebody, all right? You belong to the devil. He's your father. Oh, you're so you're demon-possessed. Hey, 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 hey. It's quite the discourse. Finally, Jesus says this. He who belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason that you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. 
So when the Bible tells you you are people belonging to God, I think back to that moment. If you're going to be the people belonging to God, you have to hear what he says to belong to him. It's crucial. Jesus would finish this dissertation by dropping the mic by saying, before Abraham was born, I am. Boom. You know what they did in response? They went back over and they dropped some rocks earlier. Guess what they did? They picked them back up. But not to stone the woman, now to stone him. But he did a little jujitsu trick. He gone. Who do you belong to? Verse 10, verse, the rest of verse 9 and verse 10 says what our purpose really is. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're called, people say, what, I don't understand what my purpose really is. Well, according to this verse, my purpose is to answer God's call, to leave darkness for light, and declare praises of him who sent me. That sounds like three things I can do. I answer the call, I leave darkness for light, and I declare praises of him who sent me. That's what I'm called to do. Right, well, what's your five-year plan for your spiritual walk? Well, I'm going to continue on my call. I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to declare praises of him who sent me. And I'll tell you what, I'll add a little bit more to it. I'll set apart Christ as Lord. I'll always be prepared to give an answer for anyone who asks me for the hope that I have. But I'm going to do it with gentleness and respect with a clear conscience. And I'm going to do it whether I'm suffering or being blessed. That's the challenge. The question is today, do you know who you are? Do you belong? Are you the people of God? You see, verse 10 says, once you weren't, but now you are. Once you didn't deserve it, and now you still don't. But he still gives you the blessing. When one Mr. William H. Smith sat down with one Mr. Phil Robertson and shared the good news of Jesus, Dad said to Bill, Smith, it just seems too good to be true. To which Smith said, oh, Phil, it is too good for us, but it's still true. And that's right. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you belong to? Do you know what your purpose is? Have you answered your call to leave darkness and to live in light? Because praise awaits. When a sinner leaves darkness and comes into light, the Bible tells us that angels rejoice in heaven, followed quickly and closely by us. Today could be that day. If you don't know who you belong to, and if you haven't been listening or hearing God, today is your day. Why don't you come while we stand, while we sing?
Bye.